This is Way Family Church, and you're listening to our sermon podcast. We invite you to join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030. We meet at Lawford Middle School in Tucson, Arizona. For more information about who we are, upcoming events, or if you'd like to connect, visit us online at www.wayfamily.church. Now get your Bibles ready, and let's begin. Well, it's the last day of the year. Typically, I do Vision Sunday, the very first Sunday of the year. But today, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, just because it happens to be Sunday, the very last day of the year. And so what I'd like to do is cast vision for the year that's ahead. And what better time than now, because we only have a few hours left, and then enters the new year. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to just share as far as vision is concerned, something that the Lord has given me. Because here's what's, here's what's good to know. If we don't have vision for the future, we, we, we we're not, we're not going to advance. We need to have vision for what's ahead. Otherwise, where are we going? What are we doing? When we lose vision, we stay idle. And if we stay idle, I'm going to break it to you right now, we go backwards. There's actually no standing still. So we either advance, we move forward, we keep trucking along, we keep charging, or we go backwards, and backwards is no good. I think that that principle is true in our faith, it's true in business, it's true in family, it's true in relationships, it's true in many things. Let's not be deceived in thinking that we can just be at a standstill and keep it the way that it's been. It doesn't happen. If we're not moving forward, we're going backwards. Jesus says over and over, you're either hot or you're cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out. So either you're going or you're not, all right? Uh, And so because of just having that in mind, it's important for us to have the vision for the future for what's ahead. And so um, I want to share with you something that I actually came across last night. Last night I was scrolling through through my Facebook and I saw a post from a fellow pastor, a friend of mine actually, uh, who leads a Spanish congregation here in town and he actually goes to Nogales often. But he was trying to, to, to get into a building here in Tucson, which is actually in Catalina, so just north of the mountain over there. And that church who owned the building kept saying no, 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 no to him. And so I know this story just based on conversations that I've had with him, but he puts puts out a post that really, really was interesting to me. So what what his post was, was the picture of that building. And I knew it. It was that old church building. You can tell that church been around for a while. And this is what the post read. What, What happens when a church is unwilling to change, advance, and embrace its community, question mark. What happens? What happens when a church is unwilling to change, advance, and embrace its community? It dies. Today, that church building is completely taped off. It has been purchased by private residents. It is now a private residence with markers all over the place that says, no trespassing, private property. Many churches tried to purchase that building But the owners of that building, that church, that congregation there said no. They were unwilling to change. They were unwilling to advance. They were unwilling to have a vision for the future of the church. And I'm sad to say that that church did not go out into a greater building or into a better place. They actually just shut down. That's because there's lack of vision. There's lack of intention. There's lack of purpose. And so let us not lose vision for what the Lord has saved us from. And I think that we do a really good job in that sometimes. We, we are reminded that the Lord has saved us, He has justified us, and we're grateful for that, and we love Him for that. 
But let us also not lose vision for what the Lord has saved us to. So he has saved us from something, but he has also saved us onto something else, something greater. That I feel like sometimes we lose vision for, what's ahead, what we've been called to. And so I thought to myself, and I thought out loud to my wife as well, she could attest to this, what will Way Family's vision be for 2024? What would it be for us here in the upcoming year, 2024? Then the Holy Spirit gently smacked me across the head. <laughs> You've been there? It's a God smack. He does it so gently, though. It's just, he's got a way about it, you know? So he, gets, he comes to me and he says, preach vision for all the saints, not just Way Family Church. I said, okay, well, <laughs> what does that mean? You know, I'm the pastor of Wave Family Church. But the fact of the matter is, the vision is for all believers. So if we're believers of Jesus Christ, we are called the saints. We have been set apart for the glory of God. And so the vision that I have for us here in 2024 is not just for us, especially for us, though, but also for anyone who's a believer of Jesus Christ. And so, folks, I will begin teaching out of the book of Matthew. That's something that I have predetermined for a while now. Matthew, arguably my favorite gospel. I love it. I love the way that it's written. I just love everything about it. It's very instrumental. It covers a multitude of topics. Very, very helpful. And so it probably take us the entire year, 2024, to get through this. But it is a very, very important gospel. It's very important because there's a lot of principles, a lot of actual instructions for the believer this is what lays out not just the vision, but it also gives us detail on how to live according to the will of God, according to the call that he has placed over, his, over our lives. So the vision for 2024 are for now and forever. So not just for 2024, but for as long as we're here in this earth. So take notes today, because I don't want you to hear this and forget it. We have to have a clear vision for the year ahead, and even for just the days that we have that the Lord allows us to have, we never know when the last day will come. And usually, usually, we do not have heart. We do not have courage to even wake up and go on to the next day, and that's because we lack vision. Let me tell you something, friends. The Lord provides that vision. The Lord wants us to see what he has saved us from and what he has called us to. When we have a hold of that, when we understand that, our lives change dramatically. They change in a way that no one could really explain other than Jesus changed me. What happened, you may say? I don't know. All I know is that he changed me. That's the kind of fruit that the Lord bears through his saints, through his people. And so today, we will start with Matthew, but it'll be an overarching introduction of the book of Matthew. Again, vision. We're looking at the big picture, okay? So bow your heads with me before we get into this, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask him for the vision that he has for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for the beautiful opportunity that we have to worship you to recognize you for who you are, to bring our thanksgiving to you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, at this moment, we ask that you would help us open up our hearts, Father, to receive from you, that what you're sowing in our hearts would bear much fruit. So Lord, help us understand, help us see, help us abide in you, and be submitted to your will. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. So last week, we closed our Advent series, and we looked into the genealogy of Jesus. It was Matthew's official introduction 
of the king. He said, Merry Christmas, the king is here. Well, he didn't say it like that. But essentially, he was introducing the king. The king came, and he also explains the why. And so today, before I give you this overarching look, this overview of the book of Matthew and the vision that we find here, I want to go back into history a little bit. Because the coming of the king is the fulfillment of a promise of old, a promise that started back with Abraham. And it went from generation to generation to generation. And guess what? The Lord's kingdom never ends, which means it still applies today. The promises still apply today. And so why did Jesus come? To fulfill his promise and to establish his kingdom. That's why he came. And because the Lord is forever and he will rule and reign forever, his kingdom is now and for, forevermore. That means that we need to have kingdom vision. And so what I want us to do is to look back into these promises and to realize, okay, what is it that we're dealing here, we're dealing with here? And what I want to make clear to you guys is that we are part of the kingdom of God. And if we are part of the kingdom of God, we need to be good kingdom citizens of the kingdom of God. We need to be productive. We need to be submitted to his lordship. We need to know his will for us, and we need to be activated to do it and to live it out. And so let's go back into history, church history a little bit. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. It says this. This is the Lord's promise to Abraham, or at, at the time it's still Abram. And he says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to where? To the land that I will show you. And I will make you what? A great nation. Note these. I'm emphasizing these for a reason. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. So that you would be what? Are you guys a blessing? Or are you a burden to people? Don't answer that. But the Lord has called us to be a blessing. He had called Abraham to be a blessing and he said, and I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the promise of God to Abraham. And so just based on this passage, I think we can see a few things, three things here that I'd like to point out. One, God will form a covenant people. That means that God has a chosen people, people who have been set apart for his calling, for his glory, that we would be a blessing to the world. And we know that he would make Israel into a great nation. He fulfilled that promise to Abraham in that regard, and he continues to fulfill it today. Another thing that we see from this passage that shows it quite clearly is that God will give them a promised inheritance here on earth. That's the kingdom. And in this case, with Abraham, he gave him the promised land. We know that to be the promised land. And the third thing I like to point out the other thing we see from this passage is that God will use the people of the promise to accomplish a global purpose. He's, I don't know why he decided to do it this way, but he has a chosen people and he has called and set apart the chosen people to do something for his purpose, a global purpose. And so God reiterates this promise a few times, in fact. And the third time he mentions it is in Genesis chapter 17, verse 5 through 6, when it says this, No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Look at this, verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, 
and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. What he's saying here is that through Abraham's line, God says that he was sending, sending kings. He will send the king. And so in verse 16, as the Lord continues to bless Abraham, he then turns to Sarah and says, I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. In other words, God's kingdom will one day expand to all people groups. Praise God for that. Because unless you are Hebrew or of Jewish descent, you have no part of this promise. But praise be to God that he promised from the beginning that this would expand to all people groups. And so if we zoom back a little bit, we look at the entire Old Testament, what it is, is it's pointing to the arrival of Jesus Christ. And so this season in December, coming up to the 25th, we have a season of Advent, a season of anticipation, anticipation of that king who was to come. It's, it's actually remembrance that the, the God who was promised, the king who was promised, has in fact come and is also coming again. So it is a now and not yet Advent. And so we see that Jesus, the king, has come. Jesus, the king of kings, has come. The Lord of lords has come, and the promise is that his kingdom will never end. Bear with me. I'm setting up the foundation here because I want us to have a clear vision for what's ahead for us. So let me ask you this. Is Jesus your king? Think about that. Now, some of you may answer and say, yeah, he's my king. Some of you guys will be honest with yourselves and say, I like the idea of Jesus being my king, but he's not my king. And some of you guys will genuinely say, yes, Jesus is my king. Is Jesus your king? If Jesus is your king, that means that you've been saved by him. You've been grafted into his kingdom. You are a citizen of his kingdom. If Jesus is your king, you have both realized his rule and you've submitted to his reign. If you have not submitted to the reign of Jesus, the king, you can't say that he is your king. Do you see that? Now, in light of what we've seen through Matthew's opening words when we looked at the genealogy and the promise of the Old Testament, in light of the announcement of the arrival of the king, what then? Well, what does the, that's actually what the gospel of Matthew is all about, is what happens next. Now that we, the king has arrived and he is assembling his, his kingdom, what happens now? What do we do? And here's the overview. And this is what I want to share with you today. So I'm not going to hit on any particular passage today. I'm going to give you an overview, and then we'll get into Matthew, and we're going to look at it verse by verse, chapter by chapter. But we have to understand the importance of the kingdom of God. We have to understand the importance of being citizens of the kingdom of God. If we don't have the vision of what it is to be in the kingdom of God and how to live in the kingdom of God, we're going to get things wrong. In fact, if we don't get kingdom right If we get that wrong, we're going to get everything else about Christian living wrong. We're going to get it wrong. If you don't have a clear vision of what the kingdom of God looks like, you're not going to be able to live it. And if you don't understand what it means to be part of the kingdom of Christ, then you'll get discipleship wrong if you even get to that. And if you get discipleship wrong, you're not going to uh, uh, impact the nations as we've been called. You're not going to be a blessing to the world. In fact, you're going to be a burden. And so what we need to do is we need to get kingdom right. We need to be able to be well-equipped to impact our society. We need, to be under, we need to be clear on what it means to follow and submit to Jesus Christ. Today's sermon title is, Welcome to the Kingdom. 
I'm going to give you an overview as if you just signed the forms and you're going to be a citizen of the kingdom, okay? This is what it means to be a member of the kingdom of God. This is what it means to live a life that is a blessing to the world. This is what it looks like to be submitted to the lordship of Jesus. This is an overview of what the, the Lord has called us through the book and the gospel of Matthew. And so I hope that this is a blessing to you. What is the kingdom of God? Here's three different definitions from three different pastors, just to give you an idea. One of them says, God's sovereign action in the world resulting in people in right relationship with God and with one another. So the kingdom of God looks right relationship with God and right relationship with one another. Another preacher said, the comprehensive rule of God over every area of our life. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. Another guy said it much simpler, and he said, Jesus in action. That's what the kingdom of God looks like, okay? So what I'd like to do is I'd like to share with you a few fundamental concepts that will help us realize our role in the kingdom of God. We have to understand these things so that we can have a clear next step. The first thing that I want to share with you is as members of the kingdom of God, if we're going to be productive, if we're going to be moving forward, if we're advancing in the calling that he has given us according to our salvation, right, we must have a clear understanding of the first thing, and that is the message of the kingdom, and that's the gospel. Ask yourself this, genuinely, do you have a clear understanding of what the gospel is? Do you have the ability to explain the gospel to someone else? If you don't, that's the goal for this year, is for us to get to the place where we have a very clear understanding of the message of the kingdom, the gospel. Look at Matthew chapter 4, 17 with me. It says this, that this is the, me the message that comes straight out of the mouth of Jesus, and it's clear. He says, from that time, he's speaking of the time that John was arrested, by the way, John the Baptist, Jesus began to preach saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the message of the kingdom. It's repent. It starts there. That's, it, it generally starts with the bad news, right? You want to lay down the bad news. The bad news is we're going the wrong way. We need to turn around. We need to realize that we're heading to destruction because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of life is through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We have to turn from our ways. We have to turn from our own understanding and submit to the Lordship of Christ. He says, repent, turn around. See that you're heading the wrong way. Turn from your ways and follow Jesus, who's the only true and right way. He is so good. You want to follow him. You do not want to be left without him. This is a message of urgency. And what we continue looking, as we continue looking into the gospel of Matthew, we'll see that Jesus continually emphasizes this message because there's impending judgment ahead. All of us are going to perish someday. There will be an expiration date for each one of us. I know that sounds terrible. It's just a fact of the matter. You know, we will face judgment either when we die or when the Lord returns, whichever comes first. And so as kingdom, or as kingdom citizens, we need to be able to have a clear understanding and we need to be able to articulate the message of the kingdom, and that is the gospel. Got it? This year, we're going to learn how to articulate the gospel clearly. The next thing, the next concept that we must understand is that to be a citizen of the kingdom is to be a disciple. Disciple, the citizens of the kingdom. What does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple is a learner, is someone who's under the instruction of another. 
And so a disciple is someone who is continually being trained up by someone else. We are disciples of the word of God. If you feel, and I know it sounds kind of hard, but if you feel like you're in a place where you have a sufficient understanding of the scriptures and it is not a priority for you to continue to learn, you are not a disciple of Jesus. You have to continuously be open to learning. You have to be continually instructed by the word of God because if we're not moving forward, we're going backwards. You're not standing still. You're losing it. And so citizens of the kingdom are disciples. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we must learn from and submit from the teachings of Jesus. Look at, uh, actually, I won't show you all of this, but Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is famously known as the Sermon on the Mount. And it's all about what kingdom citizens look like. For example, let me show you this passage. I will show you this. Chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. You know them as the Beatitudes. The teacher, the instructor, verse 2 says, opened his mouth and taught them, saying, look at these attributes. These are kingdom citizen attributes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely because of my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Amen. To be poor in spirit, to be meek, to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness, to be merciful and so on and so forth does not come naturally to us, at least not according to the standard of the kingdom of God. Therefore, we need to be disciples. We need to to be trained up in the disciplines to be able to be those things. We must be disciples of Jesus. That is what makes you a citizen of the kingdom of God, okay? So we have the message. We will know that. That's our vision. We will be disciples. That's the citizenship for, for the kingdom of heaven. In fact, discipleship is the demand of the kingdom. That's the next thing I want to show you. You don't have a choice. If you're going to be part of the kingdom of heaven, discipleship is the demand. That means that you will not only be a disciple, you're also going to disciple someone else. Parents, that could mean your kids. It definitely means your kids, actually. It could be your family members. It could be your coworkers. It could be anybody around you, your neighbors. We're called to have discipleship relationships with one another. Because if we're not going forward, we're going backwards. This is a demand of the kingdom. Following the king is actually costly. Look at Matthew chapter 10, 38 through 39. It says this, And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Wow. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Are you looking for life? You will find it in Christ. Discipleship is a must. It goes both ways. So you need to be in a disciple relationship, and you need to also be discipling others. Um, no one is above another. You see that? There's no partiality with God. Discipleship is a demand of the kingdom. Another concept that we will consider is this, the church, which is the outpost of the kingdom, meaning the home base or the base camp. 
As we dive into Matthew in weeks to come, we're going to see that Jesus has designed his people under his rule to be an example, a living picture of the kingdom of God at work. Now, I'm going to confess to this. We as the church have not always been a good example to the world, have we? But the Lord has called us to be a good example to the world. This is the image of the kingdom. This is where things don't matter other than our relationship with God and the salvation that we've experienced with God. Look around this room. This is one of the things that I love about Way Family Church. Do you notice the diversity here? And if you dig into each other's lives, you realize that your backgrounds are different. They vary. You've all been through things that are probably similar and very different. But what unites us is the gospel, is Jesus. It's our salvation that we experience through him. It's discipleship. That's the church. Hebrews says not to forsake the gathering of the saints because here we're um, uh, held accountable to one another. Here we're stirred up by one another. Here we're discipled by one another. Here we can share in each other's burdens. Here we can be disciplined by one another. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? We need to be the image of the kingdom, and that is here the church. If we don't have a strong grasp on these kingdom concepts, we're not going to be uh, a good image of the kingdom. We're not going to be a church that needs to be an example of the kingdom of, of heaven. And so we need to do these things to be good repre- representatives of the kingdom of God. So in addition to being the church, a representative of the kingdom of God, we must also be on mission. Mission is the spread of the kingdom. I can't say this enough. If we're not going forward, we're going backwards. If we're not on mission, we're not advancing. We're not spreading the kingdom. Our calling as a church, as citizens of the kingdom, is to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. So the church is called to proclaim the gospel, the kingdom, and it is called to go. And the promises and even the gates of hell will not able, be able to stop you. And so look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. As Peter confesses Jesus to be the Christ, the king of the, of the kingdom, Jesus says to him, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's a promise. We need to go. We need to advance. In fact, the book of Matthew ends this way. Chapter 28, verse 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what? All that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As citizens of the kingdom of God, We need to go. We need to be on mission. We can't be idle. We have to go. We have to have gospel conversations with people. We have to serve people. We have to care for one another. We have to go and just just reach people. There are people out there who are hurting. There are people out there who are wanting to know, what do you have that I don't have? What is this transformation that you're experiencing? How do I get to it? How will they know if we don't tell them? How do we know if we don't make ourselves available to them? We have to be on mission. This is how we spread the kingdom. And so as citizens of the kingdom of God, we must be on mission. We have to spread the kingdom. We want people to know the salvation that's sought through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's because... If we're not moving forward, we're going, okay? We got that, right? I'm not, I'm not going to stop emphasizing that. And the other thing that I want you to notice is when, when Jesus speaks to us and he tells us to go, he assures us this, that hell will not prevail against his church and that he would always be with us. Do you ever wonder why he promises that? You think about it. 
Why such the comforting words? Why the words of encouragement? Why would Jesus tell us that? Why would he just not say, good luck to you? He says, I will be with you. I will make sure that hell does not prevail against you. And that's because the kingdom of God has enemies. We must be very aware of this, very attentive to this. The devil and demons are enemy, the enemy of the kingdom. We cannot take that uh, aside. We have to consider that in all things. So the Gospel of Matthew makes it very clear that the devil and all his minions are absolutely opposed to the king and to everyone and everything that is of God's kingdom, including you and me. So there's going to be trial. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be something that's going to stop you, that's going to try to prevent you from pursuing this, from living the way that the Lord has called you. But look at this, Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. This is a very interesting passage, and we'll get to it and expound on it more eventually. But look at this. Read this with me. But he turned, Jesus turned, and said to Peter, Peter's supposed to be an awesome disciple, right? He says to him, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. That's exactly what Satan demons try to do. They try to hinder us from being minded or kingdom-minded, from setting our mind on the things of God. Instead, it makes, they, 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 they tempt us to be selfish, to really just pursue what we want and our comforts and our desires, and they draw us away from the calling of the kingdom of God. So be aware that the kingdom of God has enemies. However, however, Satan is not an equal to God. I hope that you guys know this. I hope that you guys don't think that here's God and here's his arch enemy, Satan, and they're like battling. No, 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 no. Here's God. Satan's not equal to him. Nothing happens. Satan has no dominion, no, no permission to do anything without the Lord's approval. Did you know that? He is still inferior to God. And the Lord actually uses him to, for his glory. We have to understand this. We have to understand that the kingdom of God has victory over Satan. And he is by far Amen. inferior to God. And we need to know this. So let me say it this way. The devil. Some of you guys might know him as El Diablo. Or El Chamuco. What else do you call him? What's that? Bad, the bad guy, Satan, Satanás, he is ultimately, and we have to know this as kingdom citizens, el gran loser. We have to know that there's victory in Jesus, that he's already won. He's already accomplished the greatest thing in the world, to die and to be resurrected and to defeat the grips of, 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 of sin. Satan rules the fallen world, however. And we have to note this. And so he's very successful as, as, at misleading many. And that's his desire is for him to just deceive us, to, 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 to pile on his scheme against us, that we would be discouraged, that we would lose sight of hope, and that we would not advance so that we would go backwards. That's what he wants for us. We know this as kingdom citizens that God has victory over all of that. Here's the last thing I want to point out. In the kingdom of God, there's hope. In the kingdom of God, there's hope in the coming of the kingdom. Now, this is very interesting, and this is something that I want us to make sure we understand. 
The gospel of Matthew shows us that the kingdom of God is a present reality because Jesus has arrived. We looked at that through the Christmas season, yes? The king came. He established his kingdom, and his kingdom is forever. But then Jesus goes on, and he lives a life, and it is perfect. It is a prime example of what it is to be a kingdom citizen of of the kingdom of God. And then he gives his life up on the cross. He gives his life. It wasn't taken from him. He gives his life. And he's put to death. But on the third day, Jesus rises. He takes his life up again, and he has conquered death. He has victory over death. He has victory over sin. He has paid the penalty of our sin that he has justified us. So there's justification for us because of Christ. Everything that you've owed, the punishment that you owe, the justice that was owed to you, he has taken onto himself, and he has made you free. That's the gift of God. That's the hope that we have. The, re, the, the, the fact of the matter is that Jesus' kingdom is a present reality, but it is also the kingdom of a future realization. Because after he rises, he goes to the disciples and he says, remember, as the great theologian Arnold Schwarzenegger once says, I'll be back, you know? And he ascends to heaven with the promise that he will return. And so the king is coming back That's the hope that we have. We have a future hope. We have the assurance of hope. We always have light. We always have something to be encouraged by. His kingdom is now and not yet. Let's have vision for that. So at his first coming, Jesus came as a baby. Very humble, meek and mild, right? But when he comes back, he will come back as a crowned king. Oh, you want to be on his team. I, this picture is so cool. This is just the coolest thing. But as we prepare to receive this new year, my hope and prayer is that we all begin the year with a clear vision for the kingdom of God. This is not just for Way Family Church. This is for anybody who is a citizen of the kingdom of God. For us who have received salvation through Jesus and we've been grafted into his kingdom, we will advance by living according to the decrees and the commands of the kingdom of God. So listen to me. I'm going to recap this in a paragraph. This is our vision for 2024 and until the Lord returns. We must have a clear understanding of the message of the kingdom. What is that? The gospel. As citizens of the kingdom, we're going to be disciples. And we're going to take discipleship seriously because we want to fulfill the demands of the kingdom. And so we're going to have discipleship relationships left and right. And what we're going to do is we're going to do this through the outpost of the kingdom, which is the church. We will not forsake the church. We will not forsake the gathering. We will not forsake one another. We will not be lone rangers, but we will be part of the church. We will be a good example of what the kingdom of God looks like, that we would effectively spread the kingdom. That means that we would be on mission, that we would not just hoard this salvation to ourselves, but that we would spread the good news that others will be also be able to experience victory over the enemy of the kingdom with the full assurance of hope for the kingdom now and the return of our king. That's the vision. And so welcome to the kingdom. This is what it looks like. This is where we're going, and this is how we're doing it. Amen? Amen. So for those of you who aren't sure if you're part of the kingdom, if you're not sure that you're a citizen of God, 
I plea with you that you would not leave here. We will see this in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew. I plea with you that you would not leave here like the religious leaders that we read of that completely reject Jesus. In fact, their intention is to refute him. Or I pray that you would not leave here like the crowds who casually observed Jesus. Jesus gathered a big crowd, but only very few of them were there at his crucifixion. They were mostly there to be entertained, to check off a checkbox, maybe to just find something to do on Sunday morning or whatever the case would be. I plead that you would not just casually observe Jesus, but rather I pray that you would depart from here as a disciple, as a citizen who unconditionally follows Jesus. That's my prayer for you. I pray that you would be a citizen of the kingdom, the kingdom that lasts forever, that you would experience the blessing that comes from his salvation, and that you would fulfill the promise to be a blessing to the world. Amen. Amen. That's my prayer. That's my hope. If you want to give your life to the Lord, if you want to get into the kingdom of God, come talk to me right after service. This is important. There's nothing better than to be part of the kingdom of God. Is it easy? No. But there is victory, and it is worth it. There's nothing more important. So let's start the year off right. Amen? Enter into the joy of your master. That's what the Lord says for those who are submitted to his reign. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the vision that you have given us through your servant here. Lord, I pray that you would make the message of the kingdom clear for us. That you would help us be good citizens, Lord Jesus, of your kingdom. You would help us fulfill the demands of your kingdom. You would help us be a good image of the kingdom as the church. That you would help us effectively spread the kingdom. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us experience and share in the victory over the enemies of the kingdom with the full assurance of hope. For you will return. Thank you, Father, for your salvation. We pray for those who are struggling now. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give them that spark of life, that you would beckon them unto yourself, that they would be interested, curious, that they would come, they would taste, and they would see that you are good and that you're so worth following because in you there's hope, in you there's life and an abundance. So, Lord, help us be a church, Lord Jesus, that has a clear vision to advance to not stay idle, not roll backwards, but to advance, Father, in the calling that you have set for us. Thank you for your salvation. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.